The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 171st ever show and Veterans Day weekend edition of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www. IIR Sports, one word, dot com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, as I mentioned at the top, it is Veterans Day weekend coming up here, Veterans Day being this Tuesday. And I've been busy writing for NFL Player Engagement. Uh, just had a story posted uh, at www.nflplayerengagement.com on Joe Bellino, the 1960 Heisman Trophy winner from Navy, who played for the Patriots, and how he and he that he was also in the U.S. Naval Reserve for 28 years, and how he continues uh, his coordination and relationships with veterans and also interviewed Rocky Blyer last week famous from the Pittsburgh Steelers where he won four Super Bowls after his being wounded in Vietnam back in the late 60s and that was great so those two stories uh, as part of the NFL salute to service month are now posted at nflplayerengagement.com and another story I did there, and my highlight of the week and event of the week that I attended was the Patriots-Broncos game this past Sunday at Gillette Stadium. And there really is nothing like when Peyton Manning comes to town. It just elevates the entire game day up here at Gillette. I've been going for years over to Patriots games, but again, nothing like a Peyton Manning game, and this one last Sunday was uh, particularly elevated, and I wrote the story for NFL player engagement because the Patriots welcomed back 17 of the 22 players who had won three Super Bowls with them back uh, a decade ago, hard to believe, 
And uh, so it was just a great ceremony at halftime. They chose to come out as they did that famous day in New Orleans when they upset the Rams for their first Super Bowl victory. Uh, they chose to come out of the tunnel at Gillette Stadium, introduced as a team. It was a great moment and uh, was certainly a throwback to 13, 14 years ago when they did that uh, at the Superdome. And they were showing video highlights and calling out the names of each player, yet none of them came out. And then when they were done with that, uh, they said that the, the group had chosen to come out as a team. So it was uh, just a really a terrific moment. Uh, owner Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft greeted them, and Bob Kraft had a few words to say. And uh, it was terrific. And uh, uttered his famous line from that Super Bowl it's after the game when they won, saying, uh, you know, today we were all patriots. Uh a direct reference to what had occurred just four months before, which was 9-11. And I was in the Superdome that night, and I'll never forget going there that day, and it was like uh, entering an armed camp uh, in that post-9-11 world, which we're still in, but then it was very fresh, only four months old at the time, and uh, just unforgettable memories and it was great to just see so many of the household names. Troy Brown, Teddy Bruschi, Matt Light, Tom Brady was, of course, not in the halftime ceremony since he's the only one uh, that was still playing in the stadium. The only other active player from those Patriots' three Super Bowl victories are is Adam Vinatieri, now kicking ironically for the Colts. So we loop back to... Uh, to Peyton Manning. So as we saw, you know, Peyton did not have one of his best games. He typically doesn't at Gillette Stadium. Uh, the crowd was just incredible. It felt like a playoff game. Nobody sat the entire game. Um, and Brady was Brady again. Brady clearly has gotten the best of Peyton in these uh, head-to-head meetings. There's the, the numbers speak for themselves. So, it was really just uh, uh, dominated by the Patriots from, from start to finish. The best part of it all was absolutely seeing uh, Gronk, Rob Gronkowski. He appears back. We've been seeing signs here in recent weeks, even right down to the way he spikes the ball, showing that just the old Gronk is back. And when he's back, when he's playing, when he's healthy, and when he's Gronk, he is the most unstoppable weapon in the NFL, in my mind, position player. And uh, and to me, for the Patriots to cap off, uh, shall we call it their dynasty of the last 12, 15 years, he, he needs to be healthy, and they can win the Super Bowl with him. Without him, I don't think they can. So, it was just fitting to have, again, uh, Peyton Manning in the house. As I wrote in my article for NFL Player Engagement, uh, the playoff games against Peyton Manning back in the uh, 2003, 4, and 5 time frame, the, as I like to call them, the snow on demand, where the moment Peyton appeared in the tunnel, it started snowing. Uh, you know, it was just perfectly appropriate to have him 
be in the house for the honoring of the uh, three Super Bowl ring players. And sure enough, right on cue, New England got a surprise snowstorm last Sunday morning. The game was at 4.30, so the snow had, had been cleared. But bottom line, all of us in New England, including Peyton Manning, that last Sunday morning woke up to a snowstorm. So it was uh, entirely fitting. Sticking with the NFL, my bizarre story of the week is watching the Cleveland Browns suddenly play like a power. The way they went into Cincinnati last night and put a hurt on the Bengals, who, by the way, are pretenders, uh, as I witnessed the beginning of their demise here at Gillette Stadium just a few Sunday nights ago. Uh, anyway, back to the Browns. What the Browns did was impressive. They, uh, you know, that was a big victory for them. I mean, I think they, you know, they're climbing mountains they haven't climbed since they became reborn in Cleveland back in 1999. They, by that, I mean they beat the Steelers, shellacked the Steelers a few weeks back in Cleveland, something they hadn't done much of over the past uh, 15 years. And then last night, going on the road, national TV game, and really dominating that game, particularly the second half, was just uh, really impressive. Uh, I love it. You know, Brian Hoyer, of course, was Brady's backup here with the Patriots for a few years. Uh Nice guy, always liked him, liked the way he handled himself as the backup. And uh, so it's good to see him do well. And I'm a Browns fan because when I started my career covering the Steel Curtain era Steelers, them and the Browns were, at the time, just the best rivalry in the NFL. Uh, the Turnpike Series, as they call it, so always a lot of Browns fans. I have great memories in Three Rivers Stadium watching... Uh, the famous Steel Curtain versus Brian Sipe and the Cardiac Kids. Uh, some of my fondest memories in sports. So uh, I love that the Browns are actually in the conversation again. And let's hope they stay that way. Um, it's good stuff. And I can't mention the Steelers without mentioning uh, Ben Roethlisberger. What a role he's been on. Became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 12 touchdowns over a two-game span, six in each of the past two games. And, oh, by the way, he did it against the Baltimore Ravens, their blood rival and uh, a team, obviously, uh, known for their defense. Uh, just back to last night's game, one of the highlights of the Browns-Bengals game was, of course, Devin Stills' daughter, uh, attending the game, I thought it was just really, uh, there were some true touching moments, to say the least, and there was a check presented between the first and second quarters for over $1.3 million that I guess has been raised through the his jersey sales, where, for instance, Sean Payton bought $10,000 worth of jerseys when they first went on sale of Devin Stills' Bengal jersey. I was in the house that night against Patriots Bengals at Gillette Stadium when the Patriots cheerleaders wore Devin Still jerseys. So to see his daughter there last night watching him play for the first time ever in an NFL game was uh, just terrific stuff. Lastly, my low light of the week was the Maryland captains, the University of Maryland captains, 
not shaking hands with Penn State during the coin toss before the game at midfield at Beaver Stadium. In my mind, totally classless. Uh, I, Growing up down there near Penn State, I am well aware of the rivalry. What's transpired over the years, I think the record is 35-1-1. Maryland being the, the, the two ones, <laughs> um, and Penn State beating them, I think, 35 times. And I know they're now both in the Big Ten, and Maryland's looking to make a statement, but, you know, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Obviously, one of their players was suspended. The team was fined. I mean, this did not sit well with a lot of people. Others excused it. Uh, and all credit to Maryland. I mean, they, they went out and won the game in Beaver Stadium. Good for them. And maybe they should have uh, not shaken hands after the game. But to do it before the game, which is just as a, much a foundational part of American sportsmanship, um, was, in my mind, a true, true low light. Also, my event of the week that I will be attending is tomorrow night's Cam Neely, the Boston Bruins president and former Bruins great, holding his 20th annual Comics Come Home for the first time ever. It's going to be at the TD Garden uh, where the Celtics and Bruins play. The event has grown so big over 20 years, they needed to move it to a bigger venue, thus the Garden. I will be there. Can't wait. Uh, Dennis Leary, Lenny Clark, Jimmy Fallon are going to be there and many, many other comics and big names. I've heard it's a great night, and I can't wait. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. 
Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show where we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm in sunny Mississippi, the place where the birthplace of American music, they tell me, on the signs here at the rest area. Good for you, and and better yet, where are you headed to? I'm headed to Baton Rouge to see the Alabama Crimson Tide take on the LSU Bengal Tigers on Saturday night. That is awesome. That's on my bucket list to see a game at LSU, any game, quite frankly, uh, on a Saturday night in Death Valley, but to be seeing Alabama, U.S., or LSU, USC, no, LSU, Given the, you know, college football playoff, what's at stake this year, and there's always something at stake when these two teams play, it's just going to be awesome. It feels like it's, you know, as big as it was just a few years ago when they were playing basically for number, for national championships just, uh, you know, a couple years in a row there. Yeah, John, it's really quite a rivalry has developed through the years, and, and especially when Nick Saban came back to Alabama, oh, my goodness, it ratcheted up a a few more decibel levels, literally, and when you get into the stadium, it's, I guess they, they measure it as like the uh, almost an earthquake when there's a big play in the game. Wow, sort of like the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Seattle Seahawks crowds setting the Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records types, uh, you know, for loud noise. Yeah, I wouldn't want to bet against them if, if there was a contest. Uh, in, in 2007, they said it was like 130 decibels, which is 20, uh, 20 more than the average uh, human pain threshold, and it's, it's like equal to a military jet takeoff. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> now, you've been, there a couple, you've been there before, obviously, for Saturday night games. I, I sure have. I sure have, John. And uh, one of the funnier stories I can tell about uh, some, some years ago, Coach Bryan, you know, bringing up his name, uh, they used to have the actual Bengal tiger in his cage right at the uh, at the tunnel when the Alabama team would come out to the field. And so all the players were lined up, and they were kind of scared of that tiger. And Coach Bryant went out there and walked by and turned around and said, well, he doesn't look that tough. 
<laughs> and let's not forget, this is the man who got his famous name by wrestling and beating a bear, correct? Yeah. That's kind of a funny side to that, that rivalry that I've always told people, and uh, it's entertaining. That's, of course, why love, it was always entertaining. I love that. That's a great story. And again, if there's ever one person who wouldn't be scared of a tiger, I guess it's a guy that's wrestled a bear. Let's put a mile <laughs> And how ironic, you know, what perfect timing for this because, you know, LSU a couple weeks ago after a very shaky start, uh, you know, beat undefeated Mississippi, the team that, the only team that beat Alabama this year. But LSU beat them in a wild finish just a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday night in Baton Rouge, as we all know. And, uh, and, and here they are. So there's a lot of ironies already heading into this game. But most importantly, you know, we all know Alabama's playing well. We expect that. But LSU's clearly recovered from whatever ailed them to start the season. And uh, so you know it's going to be competitive, right? Yeah, I, I look for a very competitive game, probably on the lower side in the scoring department as well, John, because LSU's defense has come around and, these are two teams that are are big and powerful and strong and fast, and there's there's a lot of similarities to the to the programs. Well, let's hope we don't see another game like a few years ago. What was it? Was that the one that was nine six the Saturday night at Tuscaloosa? Right. Was that, that, was fi- nine, was that, that was final a, score? A field goal kickers. Uh, yeah. Dream, I guess, or nightmare if you, if you look at it from I think there were some missed ones that lost the game for Alabama. Yeah, well, not to in any way, you know, speak negatively about either team, but I think, you know, that game, which then, correct me if I'm wrong, ended up where they, and they were the two best teams in the country, but they, you know, it was 9-6, it was the, game, quote, game of the century. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wasn't a good watch, and then they ended up meeting that year in the national championship game, which was an absolute blowout by Alabama over LSU, and I, and I think... You know, see what you think, but I, I think, you know, that was a real trigger in getting this, you know, where we're at today, which is the college football playoff system finally in place. And uh, I, I think that, you know, that year had a lot to do with it. I think that really, I think people were just done. Just the fact that two teams who had met earlier in the season, coincidentally played a boring game, suddenly met in the national championship for a second time in the same season, and it was a horrible game. I mean, I don't know. What do you think of that theory? I believe, John, you're correct. I think it was in the minds of the powers to be, and then the general public got on board because they didn't want to see two teams from the same conference playing the championship game. Now, you might have that this year. I mean, that, that's correct. a possibility. It's not to say it couldn't it happen again, but But it won't unlikely. be for the championship, you know. Yeah, it's less likely it will happen again, but it could. Uh, there's no rule against it. But, yeah, I just felt, you know, I mean, again, I, I just think, you know, college football, which we all love, just it, it just took a hit. I think that, you know, by the end of the first quarter of that blowout in, I believe, the Superdome, the national championship game that year, Alabama beating LSU, I think, you know, it was over early, and I think everybody was just, you know, at that moment in time, just 
agreeing that you know the BCS was broken, you know, and and I think it may have played a role, played a factor in in what we have today. Which you know we should just take pause here. And I've been hearing this a lot this week, and and it's true, uh, you know. At this moment in time, with two college football playoff polls behind us now, the, the it's just a raging success. It's taken what was already the best regular season in sports and elevated it to now it is to to just significantly greater heights. With the next couple of weeks to be even that much better, you know, I, I I think it's just really on track to become what you and I have said. For a long time, it's going to become, which is, you know, just over the top, gigantic. And, you know, we'll take college football to a whole new level. Yeah, I think so, John. I'm not sure if it, it will ever elevate to the Super Bowl when you have all the foreign press involved and just people come out of the woodwork from the media standpoint. But but I believe it will exponentially uh improve the ratings in college football. I agree. I agree. I just think, uh, you know, again, it's, you know, we're, we're clearly in the climate now where, you know, teams with one loss who lose again are going to be out. Just that simple. We saw what felt like, you know, uh, the Mississippi uh, Auburn game last week, where, where you knew the loser was done for their to make the Final Four, it felt like an NFL playoff game for the first time ever. It really did. I mean, uh, that's how I viewed that game. And oh, by the way, what an ending to that game! I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a more heart wrenching couple of seconds or a home crowd suffer. Uh, you know, a turn of events in a split second, like the Mississippi receiver, you know, at the one-yard line, literally about to put his foot in the end zone with a winning score. Next thing you know, his leg is broken, and Auburn has the ball, and the game is over. It was just unbelievable. John, I, I really can't think of one play that had such an impact on a team, a state, and uh, a coach in all the time I've been watching college football. I, well said. You, you just captured it perfectly, AP. It's, uh, it was stunning. Like I think it was obvious he was injured, just the way he went down so awkwardly. But the injury was so, you know, in your face that I, and I'm sure millions of others, and certainly the people in the stands, it never crossed my mind that, like, he had fumbled the ball because it really wasn't clear, and I wasn't really looking at that. Uh, my only question at the moment was, is he injured? If so, how badly? Because it looked bad. And did he cross the goal line? So, you know, but then they showed the replay, and it, clearly a, a minute or two had passed, and it was obvious he had fumbled. I'm not disputing the call, but, you know, I don't think anybody recognized that in the first minute or so watching it live. I didn't. Uh, no, it was such a close play, and really the emphasis was on his injury. Correct, exactly, uh, as it and, should be. And, uh, but, you know, he's a, he was, and I think he's the best player on their team, 
Correct. That's and another. I, I, you always start to see someone get injured in, on that particular play. I mean, what would have happened if he scored? I mean, maybe they would have won the game and you lose your best player. But it was a very sad night for Ole Miss fans. Yes. Uh, again, you talk about a seminal moment in, in the history of a program. Uh, that was it. Um, but, yeah, I think what it was was really my first thought was, you know, he, he did fumble. That was obvious. But I think my assumption was, and the question was, did he cross the cross the plane of the goal line? Therefore, the, the fumble would not be uh, a fumble. And, you know, he didn't, as it turned out. But you couldn't. It really wasn't visible to the naked eye. But it was just, but again, I don't think anybody was watching it live instantly thought he fumbled and it's going to be Auburn's ball by, by a touchback. I mean, that never even crossed my mind. I was stunned when they showed that. And then worst of all, AP, you know, they make that announcement as he's being carted off the field that like it's got Auburn's ball. I mean, you talk about like a bad moment getting worse for that particular player. That was just a horrible turn of events. For him. Yeah, that was quite an exit from the stage. Uh, the folks at Ole Miss and the Auburn fans will never forget that moment. No, absolutely not. Well, again, unforgettable, and I think it's just, you know, uh, going to be unforgettable uh, moments coming up starting again, you know, tomorrow with another weekend of college football. But for now, uh, it's time for our break. We have plenty more to talk about. Big weekend coming up. And uh, I know you're sticking around, so we'll talk a little more college football on the other side. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. 
Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who is currently driving through Mississippi on his way to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to cover tomorrow night's massive LSU-Alabama game. Uh... And we're going to talk about all the other big games coming up this weekend, a ton of big ones, a lot of ranked teams facing each other. But before we get into that, I want to take a quick note to say a team that you and I have covered often in the past, AP, UConn, is playing at Army. The game is at Yankee Stadium, which is really cool for Veterans Day weekend, just like the old days of uh, Army when they used to host Notre Dame with Davis and Blanchard playing at Yankee Stadium and the old Yankee Stadium and legendary games. I, 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 I'm definitely going to tune into that game, that's for sure. You know, John, to me, that, that, I believe that's a great recruiting tool because you look down the road and you can tell your grandchildren and your family you played at Yankee Stadium. I mean, I, I think that's uh, a fabulous move by the UConn program to schedule that game. Exactly. I, I, I just love it, and I love the fact that, you know, it's on Veterans Day weekend as well. I just think it's just perfectly appropriate to, you know, elevate the profile of Army. <laughs> and, you know, and UConn will go right along with that as the opponent. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun night tomorrow night uh, down in the Bronx. It's going to be a fun night at a lot of places around America tomorrow. Uh Great games. You are going to the best game, the game of the week. Wouldn't surprise me if it turns out to be the game of the year, actually, LSU-Alabama. But the second game that really gets my attention, uh, Ohio State at Michigan State. I just think that that's, uh, that that's going to be a good one. I really do. I really believe that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Always nice to see a big game from Michigan State as well. Yeah, John, this is uh, Michigan State's got to make some hay if they expect to make any movement in the college football rankings. Uh, so far, they've kind of been a little bit stagnant, and uh, this is one of the few times that they can gain some some luster in the eyes of the voters, you know, the selection committee. So 
it behooves them to win this game. I mean, there's no room for error because they're a one-loss team, and, and as you stated before, there's I don't believe any two-loss teams will be in the college football playoff. Well, I agree. And, you know, Michigan State, interesting team. I mean, I became a believer in them last last year in the Big Ten Championship when they knocked off Ohio State and ended their, I believe, 24-game winning streak. And, you know, then they go out to the Rose Bowl and they beat Stanford. So I'm pretty on board with Michigan State. Uh, you know, they lost early to Oregon. And if they win tomorrow, I think they're going to, you know, they could potentially be sitting pretty because, you know, you can say what you want. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the new college football playoff committee are human. And the Oregon loss, where they didn't play that badly. Oregon just came up big in the second half. Uh, you, you know, the Oregon loss just recedes into memory. And, you know, it's only human nature, especially when along the way you're seeing all these other memorable, fabulous games as, you know, as, you know, ranked teams lose. So... Again, if Michigan State wins tomorrow night, I, I just think, or tomorrow, they, I, I think that they could absolutely find themselves, uh, you know, in the playoff, and it could come down to, you know, like them in Oregon, and Oregon obviously will have won the head-to-head -head matchup, but I think Michigan State's our best example of what used to be important, which was losing early. We may end up finding out if what losing early still means depending on how, you know, if Michigan State wins tomorrow and then see where, see where it goes from there. But it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. And if Oregon keeps winning, John, that'll increase Michigan State's chances. And the committee really uh, takes into account when you play on the road. I mean, although they didn't win the game, I think there's some measure of credit being given to Spartans since they scheduled Oregon. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Michigan State and Coach Mark D'Antonio, they've just clearly been a team on the rise. You, you know, they have a rich history, no question. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they made a lot of, believe, you know, a lot of believers uh, the way they finished up last year. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just there's something telling me that, you know, when it's all said and done, obviously they have to win tomorrow, most importantly. But if they do... Uh, there's just something telling me that, you know, they might kind of sneak in the back door, as it were, uh, simply because they've had, you know, a very good season again after, you know, losing really early. Flip side, you know, Ohio State has a much larger climb, but, you know, another team that lost early, albeit at home to Virginia Tech, that's a little different than losing on the road at Oregon. Yeah, you you uh, drop in the polls significantly when you lose to a team like Virginia Tech at home, and then Virginia Tech has not played well since. Exactly. Good point. I mean, a really good point. I watched that game. That was a fun game to watch, that Virginia Tech upset of Ohio State. Um, another, you know, again, lots of good games. Probably the other one that really intrigues me is uh, you know, Notre Dame and Arizona State. I think that, uh, number one, you know, it's not all that often we get to watch games from Arizona 
uh, be it Arizona or Arizona State, you know, uh, given our ti- you know given our location here on the East Coast. So I think it's kind of unique to have a really marquee game. And anytime Notre Dame plays, especially against a ranked team, it's a marquee game. Uh, so I think it's kind of neat to have a marquee game from Arizona. They they don't get the coverage here on the East Coast that I think they often deserve. No, uh, so far this season, John, they only have one loss, and uh, it was it was at home. Believe it or not, UCLA uh, stomped them sixty-two to twenty-seven, and I always have trouble when I see a team give up sixty points. It just scares the, the Jesus out of me. So I don't know if you know they have enough defense to hold down Notre Dame, but they played well since you know beat Stanford and they won at Washington, and then they beat a tough Utah team as well. Uh, so you know in overtime, so they're they're capable. They are capable, <clears throat> but you know I'm with you, AP. It's like if they find them, if they beat Notre Dame and find themselves suddenly, you know in the hunt for the final four, I've got to believe like you that like the committee would look at a game they lost 62 to 27 and almost say to themselves, like, you know, we can't put that team in there. If, if it's, you know, borderline, shall we say? I I think so. I think that's a huge negative against them. Huge, gigantic. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, continuing on, you mentioned Utah. We got Oregon, and we obviously just talked about Oregon as well. Oregon at Utah. That's another, uh, you know, fairly intriguing game. Every time I, I watch Utah, and let's not forget, that's where Urban Meyer uh, got his career going with Alex Smith as his quarterback. But every time I watch Utah, they seem to play well against bigger-name opponents. Yes, you know, John. Some teams are like that. They'll they'll have a little bit of a letdown uh, against a supposedly inferior opponent, but you know, put that brand name team coming to town, they just get fired up and just play well with the game. So, yeah, Oregon. Uh, I, I suggest they 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 come to play and take the youth seriously. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I love watching Oregon play, and uh, but you know, let's not forget it was Utah. You know, back when they were undefeated. Um, you know, we talked earlier about triggers for the new college f- football playoff system. Well, I think you'd have to put Utah in there. Remember, remember back when they were undefeated, and if I remember correctly, a like Utah congressman, maybe even a senator like filed legislation against the BCS because Utah was being left out of like, you know, the BCS bowl picture or whatever. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yes, that, that certainly happened. And I always tell people that, John, if you do not take care of your business as an association, uh, Uncle Sam will always feel free to come in and take charge. So that moved everybody in the direction of, making sure a team like Utah was not in the Pac-12 at the time, and BYU, those types of schools, have an opportunity if they reach a certain uh, uh, win, win level. Right. Boise State, you know, we, we were in a streak there for a few years where there was like a Utah, a Boise State every year that clearly, you know, had everybody thinking, including congressmen, 
Congresswomen that, uh, you know, hey, this team deserves to be in the mix of the college football national championship picture, period. And it wasn't happening, and you said it perfectly, AP, whether it's baseball and steroids, whatever, NFL and concussions, if you don't take care of it on your own, uh, the worst imaginable outcome can occur, and that's Congress getting involved in your business. Right, and that, that senator, it comes to mind, Orrin Hatch, Senator Hatch. <laughs> Big name. Yeah, that's, not he's just, just not some, yeah, right. he's, he's a household not a, a fellow from a small state. He's a big man in Washington. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I forgot about that. That's even, uh, yeah, clearly that's probably much more significant than, you know, the Alabama LSU games of a couple years ago that I referenced earlier. I think, uh, you, you know, uh, that probably was a, a significant factor where just everybody at that point was just kind of fed up. And here we are today in this new system. And, uh, you know, we just simply uh, are in a new world, but it, it, easily a much, much, much better world. I, I think overall, John, I'd like to see those teams have a chance because I, I think Cinderella has a place at the dance every once in a while. Some people would disagree. They say that America likes to see the big, powerful team win, but I think it's entertaining for people to watch a, a team like a Utah, um, you know, in, in football and a Butler basketball fighting for the championship or having an opportunity if they achieve on the field. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, I don't know that we have any of the any teams quite like that this year, except no. in a manner of speaking, you know, the number one team is to a certain degree. I mean, Mississippi State, we all know they're in the SEC West. Right. But, you know, if somebody would have said to you, uh, you know, uh, on, uh, on November 7th, we'd be talking about Mississippi State as the number one team in college football. That would have been as unbelievable as, you know, Utah or Boise State being the national championship game. John, I, I didn't think I'd ever see it in my lifetime. There you go, and, and you would I don't know. know how strongly I can say it, but that's the way I feel. Exactly, and and you know, you you cover the SEC and have for a while, so no one has better perspective than you. Uh, and oh, by the way, you know, speaking of Mississippi State, that was. Uh, you know, a fascinating ending to that Arkansas game. I mean, we'll see how it all turns out. But, you know, at this moment in time, if you have to look back on their moment in the, so far in their undefeated season, they've had a lot of them. You don't get to be number one without them. But you, that was a game saver. Arkansas looked like they were going to pull it off. Plus, Arkansas is a pretty good team who's what, lost, what, 16 SEC games in a row under Brett Bielma at that as they're doing that final drive, I'm sitting there going, you know, this is going to be a law of averages game. This, they're, they're going to get in the end zone, and, you know, they're going to break that streak and, along and oh, by the way, beat the number one undefeated team in the country. That's how I thought, saw it unfolded, but all credit to Mississippi State. That guy made the interception. It was awesome. It was great to watch. Yeah. Hey, it was great theater. And, great uh, theater. Arkansas, I mean, I wouldn't. 
if I was a non-conference team, I wouldn't be looking to schedule Arkansas anytime soon. I know. I know. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, Arkansas, you know, I don't have to tell you, you, you watched them against Alabama. They were in position to pull the upset that night as well, just a couple of weeks ago. So they're obviously right on the verge. I mean, it's almost silly that they somehow, some way, have this weird streak going of 16 SEC losses in a row. <laughs> it, it, it really is, John. I mean, what other team in that situation, maybe at the bottom of the conference, is almost beating the top teams in the conference in the same it, season? Exactly. And winning neither, and, oh, by the way, you know, somehow this streak, you know, co- you know, coming into existence, shall we say. So it, it will get broken, and, you know, uh, and they always do. And a couple other, you know, interesting games tomorrow, moving to the Big 12. Uh, Kansas State at TCU. Uh, let me start with saying, you know, the ending of that T- yeah, the TCU-West Virginia game, and I love any game from Morgantown since I used to cover uh, the Mountaineers and, in fact, covered the first game ever in uh, that stadium in Morgantown. But that was a great game to watch and a fascinating ending. I mean, I thought I saw something I never thought I'd see, which was basically Mountaineer coach Dana Holgerson, you know, take his foot off the gas. It was kind of interesting, John. Uh, I don't quite understand why he did that, and because uh, they had, it seems like they had the game in hand if they just continued with their with their philosophy. But I don't know. I don't know what happened. Well, all I can think of AP was it was just one of those crazy games. I mean, it was you know northeast weather, shall we say, or mid Atlantic weather. Uh, there was a lot of turnovers, and West Virginia had more of them. So I think he was just trying to reduce the, you know, risk. But, you know, first down here or there, or completed pass here or there, they're going to win that game. I mean, he was being booed in Morgantown. That's another thing I thought I'd never see or hear. He was being booed in Morgantown as the game was going on, and he just seemed, got seemingly more conservative with each passing possession. It was pretty bizarre, and sure enough, at the end, you know, TCU... Won the game. You, you could almost see it coming. Yeah. And, John, what would have been fascinating to me is that he could have had a season where he defeated Baylor, Oklahoma, and TCU. Correct. Yes. You know, and it's really, it, you know, they had they'd gotten into the top 25. I mean, as someone who follows West Virginia closer than most, you know, I found myself before the game just – looking and saying, like, wow, you know, this West Virginia team, if they win today, because TCU's getting a lot of respect, and rightfully so, um, you know, I I don't think I was projecting the Mountaineers in the Final Four, but, like, you know, sort of in the conversation, if they would have beat TCU all of a sudden, like, putting them back on the map. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, John, check that. I was was thinking Oklahoma was Oklahoma State. They defeated Oklahoma, actually beat them... uh, uh, 45-33. But, I mean, that still would have been a great record. Oklahoma State and Baylor and TCU all in one year. Well, exactly. Exactly. Plus, great games. They have a high-profile quarterback in Clint Trickett, you know, which is, again, I mean, uh, above all else. Uh, 
the fact that you go conservative when you have that quarterback is what makes the decision doubly baffling. But really, at the end of the day, AP, it's like I didn't think it was in his DNA to take his foot off the gas pedal. I just, you know, he, he is Mr. Creative Offense, you know, full-scale acceleration all the time. That's why they hired him, for gosh sakes. He was the former Oklahoma State offensive <laughs> coordinator who set records. That's that's his game. Right. Yeah, I don't know how he explained that to the, to the media and the fans after the game. I don't know. But, you know, John, they, they have to go on the road and play at Texas, which has been down. So there's a chance for them to beat another power-type main team. Let's see what happens with West Virginia if they can... Uh, revive themselves. Yeah. Meantime, Kansas, you know, the team that beat them, TCU, they're getting a lot of respect from the committee. And Kansas State uh, is the opponent in Fort Worth tomorrow. Bill Snyder, you got to love Bill Snyder. I mean, all you have to do is look at him and you just have to love the guy. He's like everybody's uncle slash grandfather. He just, you know, he just seems to be the most likable coach of all time. You can't root against him. Yeah, he's very, uh, what you might call, focused. Uh, I mean, Correct. he's professorial looking, and yep. but his team's always played tough <clears throat> and smart. Absolutely. And I'm sure they will at TCU tomorrow. And lastly, uh, another good game. We kind of touched on them a little bit. Baylor at Oklahoma. Uh, boy, it's going to be a, a, a heavy-duty remote control game a day tomorrow with all these games. But Baylor-Oklahoma, that, that could be a good one as well. Yeah, Baylor, uh, I mean, they're so prolific with their offense. Uh, you know, I don't know if Oklahoma is going to have the the defense to stop them, really. Correct. Yeah, no, nobody really does, uh, you know, to say the least. No, the, Baylor may have lost, but, you know, it's not for lack of, you know, racking up points, uh, to say the least. And hard to believe, AP, we've come to the end of another show. Uh, have you crossed into Louisiana yet? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm almost there, though, John. I, I will be uh, momentarily. So, all right. Uh, well, I look forward to the Saturday night's events and another great SEC weekend. Terrific. Well, enjoy the Alabama LSU game tomorrow night in Baton Rouge, and uh, thank you for calling in from the road. My pleasure, John. Look forward to it next week. All right, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.